Blog Talk Radio. Today, super exciting. Flat feet and bunions, causes and solutions. Now, first we've got to look at the biomechanics. For one, if you look at this, the ankle is a U-joint. And in that U-joint is the talus. And that talus bends every time you push your foot down to the floor, plantar flex, or lift it up, and that's dorsal flex. And that's the most common subluxated bone in the foot because in an inversion sprain, it moves forward. Now, the calcaneus is underneath this. And this is um, typically injured in striking. But this is where you walk when you do that heel strike. It, it lands up to be in the force of that foot or that leg coming down. Now, also on the back of the calcaneus is where the Achilles tendon. The Achilles tendon has three muscles. That's what's also called the triceps array where you have the left and right gastrox, and you also have the soleus pump in there too. Then on the bottom of the foot, you have this fascia called plantar fascia, because that's called the plantar surface of the foot. Then you have the tarsals, which are similar to the carpal bones. And then you have the metatarsals, which um, maintain, so the tarsals and the metatarsals maintain this beautiful arch of the foot. And then you have the phalanges, which are similar to the fingers in the, in the hand. Now, tarsal injuries um, and subluxations can occur in people with both extremes, light, uh, sedentary and athletes. Now, um, they're going to have problems, so it's important that you assess those tarsals because that is, think of the Roman arches, that is the main part of that arch. Now, a tarsal can go superior or up. It can also be inferior fixated. Are driven down and inferior fixations where that those tarsals start to drop is the most common involved in flattening of the arches. Now, the way you check it, and you have to assess each bone in that foot. So you're going to apply pressure on each and you're going to do a shearing force. We're going to lift one side up, one side down. Now, some of um, people can have incredible, exquisite pain in that foot. So it's important that when you're contacting, you're moving it just as much as that joint will allow. You don't want to go in there and start, you know, torquing it a lot, but a little bit of shear force on either side is going to help you to assess and correct it because you should have good movement in those tarsals. And then you're also going to be able to palpate to see if that tarsal arch has fallen or if it's gone superior, like if they stepped on a rock and driven that tarsal going up. That shear force applying is incredibly important. Now, the metatarsal bones, which is just a little bit distal from the tarsal or tarsals, and again, you have to do that shearing force on them. Now, the metatarsals are commonly subluxated when all the other structures are compromised, or the nerves of the feet are compromised. Because remember that arch, those arches of the foot are maintained by the integrity of the muscles. In most cases, a simple assessment by applying a shearing force on those tarsals will break up adhesions, and the adhesions only occur if there's been altered biomechanics long term. And in interosseous membrane, figure the t- um, metatarsals come down in between the bones. That's called interosseous, and you have to start to do that shearing force to restore normal motion. Because if you've had long-term flattening of the arches, there is going to be scar tissue because you're 
um, you're causing that foot to work under abnormal biomechanics. Now, um, by doing this to break up the adhesions, you're going to allow the normal function of the intrinsic muscles of the feet, the muscles inside of the feet that operate the feet. And this shearing force, and again, you start at each one and you're doing that shearing force to restore good motion. And there should be good motion at each of these joints, particularly since you're going to be giving um, exercises to restore those intrinsic muscles of the foot. If you're not assessing the movement of those osseous or the bony structures of the tarsals, the metatarsals, uh, the calcaneus, uh, the talus, You've got to make sure that there's movement in between each one of those joints, even the phalanges. Now, a flattening of the feet and bunion formation occurs as the result of compromised nerve supply to the intrinsic muscles. And this is absolutely going to be the result of lumbar and sacral issues. Uh, then during my assessment of patients, if they have digestive disorders or poor sleep patterns or a stress response like elevations in cholesterol, blood sugar, blood pressure issues, I've got to see if that's an onodomic adaptation. Or remember, we've got that automatic nervous system. Sympathetic keeps you alive under stress. Parasympathetic is rest, digest, and repair. And that parasympathetic, um, half of it is located in the sacrum area. And if you have bunion formation, we know that your biomechanics of your walking is not going to be even. So if you do have flattening the feet and bunion formation, you for sure are going to have altered biomechanics. And that's going to affect the knee. It's going to affect the hip. It's going to affect the pelvis, everything. This is why you have to assess everything. So when I see and I ask everybody, you know, it, it, I'll first ask them, um, how many bowel movements a day do you get? Two to three is normal. If they're having four to five and it's watery stools, it means their system's alkalinizing or they're in a stressed state. But if I see that flattening of the feet or be lateral deviation of the big toe, I know that the nerves of the pelvis and lumbar are compromised, which is causing them to have a low-functioning autonomic nervous system or low-functioning parasympathetic. Now, in a normal foot, you've got the arches, and the arches are maintained by the muscles. But you have that secondary, and you can see it here, that fascia on the bottom, that's only supposed to be used as a secondary support. And if you compromise the nerve supply to those intrinsic muscles, the foot begins to flatten out. And that fascia on the bottom of the foot that's supposed to be only used for jumping or stepping off of things, um, you know, with, with a great weight, it starts to be used beyond its design capabilities. And so it will get damaged. And that damage leads to inflammation. And so what do they call it? Plantar fasciitis. So when you hear plantar fasciitis, just know that that means that you've got compromised intrinsic muscles of that foot more than likely, only about 99% of the time. You can have a direct impact like stepping on a rock or something that can irritate it, but long-term chronic plantar fasciitis comes from weak intrinsic muscles of the foot, and that comes from uh, unstable pelvis, lumbar, and sacral issues. Now, when we look at bunion formation, there's a law called Wolf's Law. Bones lay downward, it's needed to resorb where it's not. Now, when you have normal intrinsic muscles of the foot, remember, intrinsic, those are muscles inside of the foot that operate the foot, um, everything's working well. When you weaken those, the muscles, that big toe starts to go off to the side. 
Now you've got cartilage on the end of the bones. If this, you've had chronic compromised nerve supply to the intrinsic muscles of the foot, you're going to be setting up abnormal biomechanic force loading on each one of those joints. And what does that mean? That means you're going to have cartilage distortion. So a lot of times when people get like an MRI, they'll say, the cartilage is distorted, the cartilage is dented. Yeah, because it's remodeling to the abnormal force loading. And just tell them Wolf's Law. Wolf's Law is a law of anatomy and physiology. Bone is laid down where it's needed, resorb where it's not. So if you put that bone under an abnormal force loading, that bone is going to remodel. What does that mean? That means you replace that into a normal force loading. The bone will, what? Remodel. I know, it's a brilliant thing. So bunion formation is caused by weak intrinsic muscles of the foot. Uh, so, And this is coming from the lumbar and sacrum area. So if you see that, you know that there's a pelvis issue. Why? Because there's also altered biomechanics. But in order to have the bunion formation, you have to have compromised nerve supply to that foot. So it is vital, vital to maintain, to maintain the integrity of the feet in order to maintain the integrity of the gait, which will maintain the integrity of the pelvis. So bunions can be eliminated, but you've got to fix the cause. And the cause is not lack of arch supports. <laughs> I mean, that's just insane. You've got to look at everything. You've got to look at the lumbar, the sacrum. By restoring the nerve supply, by correcting the lumbar and sacral subluxations, by stabilizing the pelvis, you are restoring the nerve supply and to the intrinsic muscles of the foot, and then you can start to restore the biomechanics of the foot. Once the intrinsic muscles of the foot begin to regain their initial, their original integrity, you're literally going to see the bunion formation go away. Now, bunions don't go away on their own. They come from weak intrinsic muscles of the foot. And, and that causes that lateral deviation of the big toe. So by restoring the intrinsic muscles of the foot, this repositions that big toe to the correct position. So you have to restore the nerve supply and then change the biomechanics and then strengthen those muscles. To completely correct the flattening of the feet and bunion formation, you must restore the nerve supply. That means you must restore calf function. You must restore that tibiofibular joint to make sure that the foot has appropriate biomechanics. You've got to restore the proper function of the knee because if you have altered gait, that knee is going to be not functioning correctly. Keep in mind that everything is connected and it is impossible to help your patients if you're just focusing on treating one part of the body. That And <laughs> so if you look at, at flattening of the feet and bunion formation as a problem of the foot or the toe, you are completely missing the big picture. You've got to look at everything. Now let's look at the toes themselves. The big toe presents as halicus valgus, and that's, that's the bunion formation where the toe deviates laterally. Now I've explained the true cause of bunion formation, but you must adjust the big toe directly, and this will help stabilize the joint. So start by contacting the first digit with your thumb on the top of the toe. Wrap your fingers around the toe kind of like you're shaking hands with a foot. And then you have to pull that joint apart, or it's called axial traction. We are going along that line of that joint. And then you gently move it medial to lateral. And the whole thing is to, to distract that joint, that axial traction first, and then just minimal movement right and left. 
not just up to the level of discomfort, not beyond discomfort. Um, and you have to do this to all the toes because I'm telling you, when you get the toe curling, the toe overlap, those are all um, clues that the the intrinsic muscles of the foot, the biomechanics of the foot are altered. The calf muscle is going to be altered. The pelvis is going to be altered. So you have to correct all of that. So that's done before you do the toe adjusting because your goal is to create just a little bit of inflammation there. Now, as long as you're doing that axial traction and gentle medial and lateral movement, um, it will become less and less uncomfortable. You might need to do this several times. Also, oh, this is really cool, applying moist heat. Moist heat on the area will rush fluid to the joint. Look at every joint in that foot has hydraulic. And if you put heat on that joint, you're going to increase the blood flow to the area and you're going to increase the synovial fluid production or the fluid that's inside of those joints. And so this will make it move a little bit easier. Now, you've got to repeat this process with every toe, but make sure you're applying that distractive force first and then you can move it lateral and medial. So you're just working that joint a little bit and that's going to create a negative pressure in that joint, forcing fluid into that joint. And you have to isolate those phalanges. So you're supporting the metatarsals on one side and distracting on the other. Now, it's ex in extremely arthritic foot. You may only be able to move the toes a few millimeters or a fraction of minutes. But even the smallest bit of movement, the smallest, will initiate that local inflammatory response. And that's what we're going to, to regenerate the joint. No inflammation is how the body heals. So now you've got the lumbar corrected, or you've got uh, the subluxations in lumbar identified, and you're correcting those. You've stabilized the pelvis. You've corrected the sacrum. So now we've got to work those intrinsic muscles. Now, remember, you've got the arches of the foot. So Long-term problems, I'd recommend using a golf ball or some non-compressible ball. And you, when you're doing this exercise, you want to roll it around from the calcaneus up to the ball of the foot, all over, just everywhere it, it feels good. And if you understand the term good hurt, okay, you're just rolling it around three to five minutes, being gentle um, but firm. And this is going to break up any scar tissue or adhesions. Now. And this is a great exercise to do before you work the intrinsic muscles. Now, this is huge, the toe curling exercise. Now, you could put a piece of paper on the floor, paper towel is super good. Make sure your knee is bent beyond 90 degrees so your foot is away from your body so you have better dorsiflexion of the foot. Heel stays on the ground. You open your toes up, grab that cloth, and lift it up as high as you can. Then open your toes when your toe is, your foot is dorsiflex. Go down, curl those toes, and lift that foot. Now you're working. I work with top level professional athletes, and these guys are used to lifting thousands of pounds in the gym. When they do this exercise, they are exhausted after about five minutes because it's muscles that have been compromised and haven't used for a while. So just just be patient. Curl and lift. Curl and lift. And if you're doing this on an airplane or if you're a passenger in a car, don't do it while you're driving, I curl and lift, curl and lift. Now, also, 
knowing that the flattening of the feet, the bunion formation, the alter mechanics of the foot is only an alarm. It's alarm that there is a problem with all the structures. So you've corrected the lumbar, um, you've stabilized the pelvis, corrected the sacrum. Now we've got to get those, the triceps array, the Achilles tendon working correctly. And the soleus stretch, it sounds kind of wild, but I give a four by four block, which is three and a half inches high to every patient to stretch this calf muscle. And this is particularly important that people that sit a lot, pilots, office workers, um, retail workers that don't do, don't work at the gym. Now it's four by four block and it says, it's hard to see there, but it says place ball of foot on the block, keep your heel on the ground, bend your knee and hold it for one minute. So you don't want to ballistically stretch that knee. Now my wife has a size four foot. Okay. That's really, really small. I have a size 13 foot. That's, that's not as big as some of my patients, my patients. I've got one patient with a size 18 foot. Okay. So, so Size 13 and size four work on this and even size 18. You put your ball of the foot up there and bend the knee. Now, one minute, twice a day, that's all it takes. You don't want to do ballistic stretching. Now, a person with a soleus that is not chronically tight, you should be able to have your knee go over your toes. Okay, and it should take one to two months performing this stretch on a daily basis to correct that chronic altered biomechanics or that chronic calf tightness. Now, it's incredibly important that people with pelvic, hip, or any other lower extremities to do this. And I'll tell people, put this block where you, where you brush your teeth. Put it in the bathroom. That way, every Saturday when you're brushing your teeth, you'll be able to do it. And they look at me like, oh, okay, okay, you brush your teeth a couple times a day. So that way you'll be able to do it a couple of times a day. So, so make it fun. So you don't want to overwhelm your patients with one more exercise, one more exercise. No, work it into the lifestyle. You're brushing your teeth for a couple of minutes. Beautiful. Do this one. Okay. And it's the great exercise. So this is why when we talk about the five keys of health, proper nerve supply, what does that mean when you're talking, um, flattening the feet or bunion formation? It means you've got to look at the lumbar. And if you're in the sacrum, if you're looking at the lumbar and you're not paying attention to deviations in the thoracic area, you're missing something. So you've got to look at the entire structure. Regular exercise. We've gone over in specific exercise of intrinsic muscles of those foot, which is fantastic. But just walking barefoot in the grass or hard sand also work really, really well. Proper nutrition. You've got to get the right nutrients. That means if man makes it, you don't eat it. And rest is when your body regenerates at nighttime. So make sure you're sleeping through the night. And then prayer and meditation. Every time you work prayer into healing, um, it, it, healing occurs more rapidly. Because we do have a connection, okay, with the power that created us. God bless you all. And, and I, I keep healthy, my friends.